Yeah. Uh, actually, we're right there. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you gave Joshua, uh, Lord, the, the keys to, uh, Lord, the victory that you gave, the inheritance that you wanted him to bring your people into. Lord, uh, you called him uh, to a very daunting task, and you gave him the keys uh, to being able to be successful in that task in being someone who meditated on your word day and night. Uh, Lord, and I think that is still true. Uh, Lord, regardless of the tasks to which you call us, being a father, uh, being a young man, building a, a career, uh, being a husband, uh, Lord, being a discipler, Lord, in all the things that you've called us to, uh, the key is still being men who meditate in your word day and night. Uh, so, Lord, we just want to thank you for your word. And, Lord, we want to ask that you would deepen us in an understanding of what it means to do that. Uh, and we thank you. We honor you for it this morning in Jesus' name. Uh, so I want to um, talk this morning about just this, this verse. Uh, this is one of my sort of favorite biblical themes. Is, is I guess you could call it scriptural, scriptural meditation. Uh, I like to think of it, though, as heart gardening. And you may have heard me say that before. I'll unpack it. Um, but the scripture says, in all the things that a person should attend to, uh, so, you know, maybe you've got to pay attention to your health. You've got to pay attention to... There's various things. You've got to make sure there's oil in your car. There's all kinds of things in our lives that we have to watch for and we learn to watch for. But the Scripture says that of all the things we should watch for and be diligent about and take care of and guard, the most important is our heart. All right? That is the... Because, it says in Proverbs, out of the heart are the issues of life. And so anytime something goes wrong in life in a big way, uh, what you should first do is go back to your heart and figure out what's going on there, what has gone on there. Uh, because everything that happens in my life, from my fight with my wife to uh, losing my temper to falling into some kind of sin, it starts five steps prior in your heart. And the scripture teaches us to be people who are heart guarders, right? people who are aware of our heart, aware of how it works in our lives, aware of what goes on there, and deliberate to let what goes on there be rejoicing and uh, delighting in God's teaching. Uh, we are called, uh, Jesus says that in, in one of, I think, Jesus' most important scriptures he says, guys, it's not what you eat that makes you unclean. Okay? Something going into you and going out of your body that doesn't make you unclean. What makes you unclean is what happens in your heart. And then he goes and lists all those sins. And he says, that's what makes you unclean. And it comes out of the heart. So the scripture from beginning to end calls us to guard our hearts. In fact, I would say the scripture is of primary interest to God. Excuse me. The heart is of primary interest to God. Um, just to highlight a few places in Scripture that touch on how important it is. Uh, in, in Deuteronomy, God says, These words that I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. He tells Joshua here, Let these words be on your lips day and night. 
but very quickly in the scriptural story, it makes it clear that there's something wrong with the heart. Right? In Deuteronomy, Moses says, your hearts need circumcising. Circumcision is not just about the physical body, it's about, it's about the heart. Because out of the heart come all these issues, and there's something sick in the heart, and it needs to be addressed. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah tells us the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I think that's key. Anytime we think we can know our hearts by ourselves, we are fooled. Right? That's one of the most important things to understand about our hearts is we don't even see them that well. Right? This is why we need our Father to be the one to work in our hearts. Paul says in Romans chapter 2 that the Jew is one who is circumcised in the heart by the Holy Spirit and his praise is from God, not from men. In other words, it's the searching of the heart by God and the cutting away of the things in our heart that don't please God, that, are, that will bring forth fruit that is bad fruit that God our Father wants to cut away. And we've got to be the people who allow him to do that work in our hearts. So only he can see it clearly. And he wants to write his teachings on our hearts. Right? He wants to, Moses said, look, these words need to be on your hearts. The fulfillment of that in the New Testament is that the scripture tells us the spirit of God can write God's teachings on our hearts so that we can be people who in the secret place of our hearts, our desire and our delight is to do God's will. This is the secret place. This is the closet, I think, in many ways that Jesus is talking about when he says, when you pray, go into your closet, shut the door. It's there that God wants to do a work in our heart because out of our hearts are all of the issues of life. Uh, it's there that he wants to cleanse us. It's there that he wants to teach us to delight in his law. So <clears throat> Psalm 1 is my favorite psalm on this. I think Psalm 1 great because you can memorize it. And in memorizing Psalm 1, you're learning about meditation. All right? it, it speaks about what scriptural meditation is. Uh, and it also tells you what to do with the rest of the psalms. Right? It's right there at the beginning of the psalms to tell you how to relate to the rest of the psalms. Um, so it's that kind of a gateway um, into all the rest of the psalms and to learn how to interact with them. So I want to look at Psalm 1, and I don't want to go thoroughly through it, but I just want to draw out a couple of things out of Psalm 1 um, that I think are key. Blessed is the man that walks not after the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Notice that this opens up a progression, right? Somebody who acts on something, and then somebody who then stands in a way, and then somebody finally who's settled. He's seated, right? He's settled in a particular way. And I think the psalmist is telling us that, um, that this, the blessed man doesn't go down that road. He doesn't take advice that's not good advice. He doesn't act on it because he knows that the more he gives himself to that, the more he listens to certain voices, the more entrenched he's going to be in a certain kind of way, right? Uh, we, see this, we see this all through our life. The more you give yourself to something, the more your brain rewards you for it, the more that pattern is entrenched in your life. But it says, by contrast, he's not like that, that he delights in the law of the Lord and on his counsel he meditates day and night. Uh, and that's, uh, that's the perfect picture of what God has called us to. All right? he, he 
and this is so important, he delights in God's teaching. You don't have to be reminded or forced to do something you delight in. All right, And delight is something in the scripture, I think it repeatedly tells us, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We can decide what we will delight in. All right, And then it becomes this disposition of the heart. And this guy, his delight is God's teaching because he's convinced God, God's teaching has life. All right? He doesn't see the Bible as just a list of rules that limits his freedom. He sees it as the path of freedom. He sees it as the path of life. And so he becomes this person who meditates on it day and night. So someone tells of, of the story or the picture, gives a picture of the person who really says, man, I believe God knows what he's talking about. I believe Jesus knows what he's talking about. And I want to become an avid student of his ways. And I always like to point out, I don't think this is just, hey, you should really do this. I always like to point out that the first blessed man that Psalm 1 is talking about is Jesus. All right, he is the blessed man who delighted in his father's teaching. He is the blessed man who was meditating day and night in his father's teaching, for whom God's teaching wasn't just something he got once a week or twice a week or every morning for 15 minutes, but it was something that he was receiving continually. Because it was something that he treasured in his heart and carried with him everywhere he went. Jesus meditated on the Father's teaching day and night. And he calls us to do the same. He calls us to be the same kind of people. But he's the first blessed man. And I think that's important because he can teach us how to do the same. All right, He is the one that he guarded his own heart. And was careful about what went on in his own heart. So that what came out of his life was pleasing to the Father. He's the one that's, as the psalm goes on to say, is planted by the rivers of living water, by the Holy Spirit. And who, because he was planted by those rivers of living water, brought forth rivers of living water, but brought forth fruit for righteousness. And notice, you know, the psalm says that his fruit comes in his season. Well, the fruit of Jesus' life, has we're here because of it. We're part of that fruit, right? This man who planted himself by his father's teaching this man who is the son of God, but also a man, we are here, we are part of that fruit. And that's, uh, that's a part of what it means to plant oneself by those rivers of living water. Uh, Jesus continues to bear fruit in every generation. Uh, he's the new Adam, right? Adam was supposed to take care of that garden. Uh, and Adam didn't take care of that garden. He didn't take the voice of the serpent out of the garden and it ruined everything. But he is that new Adam, and he can teach us to not let the serpent speak in our ear, right? To not let the serpent uh, be speaking to us and telling us stories uh, that bring us down, down dark roads. So one of the things I want to point out is scriptural meditation is not study exactly. If you think about it through most of the history of Christianity and really of the Jews, most people haven't had Bibles or even Torah scrolls. But they so interacted with Scripture that they became to know it by heart. And then meditation was they just simply had that with them all the time. All right? I love stories of World War II when you hear about Christians who are put away in prison camps, locked away you know, for years on end, and they are left with whatever was in their heart. Does that make sense? And the ones that had something, had put something, had treasured up something in there had something to feed on 
all those years of oppression and prison, right? They had God's word to treasure in their heart instead of whatever else may have been in there. Does that make sense? So when we're talking about scriptural meditation, I'm not even talking about a practice at any given time. I'm just talking about maybe this disposition of being alert and aware to what is going on in our hearts and being deliberate that what's going on in our hearts is God's teaching, uh, his, his blessed teaching through Jesus. Um, the heart is the first and final place of our freedom. I mean, you can throw somebody in jail, but you can't throw their heart in jail, right? You can imprison somebody, but ultimately the heart is where we're free. And I remember first discovering this in church as a kid because I'd sit in First Presbyterian Church, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, up in the balcony, and I'd be so bored, and I would just let my imagination run. And I, the thing I remember the most is I would imagine the, the church being filled with ping pong balls and jumping off of the balcony into the ping pong balls. <laughs> or sometimes it would be it was flooded, and I was just swimming around down in there. But the point is, I was so bored... I was stuck in a suit and a tie in this boring sermon, and I just went wherever I wanted to in my mind. That's freedom. Okay, but then as I got older, where I went in my mind got darker, right? It turned towards lust or whatever, and, and that takes you down a dark path. So anyway, I learned that you could, your heart is, in a sense, free. Jesus says, but let me tell you something. Here is true freedom. You let what goes on in your heart be my teachings. You let what goes on in your heart be a desire, Father, to, let, to please you. God, I, I want what you see here, where no one else can see, to be your word, to be what pleases you, to be what blesses you. The heart is where we, we tell stories about ourselves and tell stories about other people. And, you know, it all just depends on who you are and the circumstances. But a lot of times the stories we tell about ourselves are heroic stories. We're the hero, right? And that person is the villain. And very often those stories are absolutely ridiculous flatteries. And if we ever saw them, by the way, if you learn to pay attention to these stories that you tell about yourself, if they ever got projected in a movie, you'd, be, you'd laugh at somebody else who told a story like that. Right? It'd be hilarious. But because it's in the privacy of our own heads, we don't notice how preposterous they are or how self-serving they are, all right, or how self-righteous they are, all right? So again, the heart is this place where we tell these stories and then we act them out. You know, you put, you put somebody in the role of a villain in your life, they don't get me, they don't appreciate me, whatever, and then you act that role out, all right? You project that out, out onto there. And so this is why, can everybody see how Jesus and the scripture is masterful? He understands how we tick. And he says, you need to open yourself up so that my spirit can get down into the depths and tell you who you are. And tell you who other people are. And tell you who I am. So that what comes out of your life is more and more in the image and the character of my son. All right, That's what God wants to be able to do. And that is a deep work. And no psychologist, no self-help book will ever enable you to get to that. Only the Spirit of God, only the Word of God, with the Spirit of God, will be able to do that. So the activity of our heart determines our lives. It's where you decide what your treasure will be. Okay, let me put it in the shortest possible way. Your thoughts 
determine your life. Your thoughts determine your life. And God wants to teach you what thoughts to think. And again, so that those thoughts become second nature. So that those thoughts, the thoughts of God's word become reflexive. So that he goes on, he says, he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. You know, it's an image, and by the way, a repeated scriptural image of something stable and secure, uh, of something um, that is resilient to what's going on around it. The image, and I think Psalm 1 is the image of this tree in the wilderness where nothing else is growing, but this tree is resilient. Everything else is dried up. I think most people are slaves of their circumstances. They're slaves of how their spouse lives or treats them. They're slaves of uh, their day. They're slaves of their mood. And our Father wants us to be free. He wants us to have poise and decision in the midst of whatever the circumstances are. He wants us to be rooted and grounded at the deepest place. I think, again, this is an image of poise. I think it's an image of Jesus. I mean, the thing I think about is Jesus before Pilate. Jesus was absolutely rooted. Does that make sense? I mean, we can back up to when he washes the disciples' feet. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. And therefore, he could humble himself to the most menial thing. All right? This wasn't because he heard a sermon about that once. It was because he cultivated his heart to know I'm God's son. He is my father. He's called me to pour my life out unto death. He's called me to embrace the shame of the cross. And he approached the cross because of that with absolute, absolute poise. So scriptural meditation is about taking truths that we know and embracing them and letting the spirit let them sink down deep into our hearts so we know who we are. So we know that God is our father and we know what he's like as a father, right? That he's not like us as a father, right? In our, you know, in our frail humanity, but he is a wise, good, generous father who knows our needs before we even ask, all right? And when we learn to let that kind of meditation take place in our lives, we are grounded, we are rooted. And then, of course, it says he bears his fruit in his season. I mean, um, think, about how per, think about how pervasive the theme of bearing fruit in Scripture is. All right, Adam and Eve are put in a garden that has trees with all kinds of fruit, right? God says, little, even little things like when you besiege a city, don't cut down the fruit trees, right? I mean, from the littlest facts to the bigger facts that we have a psalm like this that talks about, hey, you're going to bear fruit at all times. Jesus is obsessed with fruit based on the parables that he gives, Right? I mean, he's constantly telling stories about fruit. Oh, there's this farmer, he had, or there's this landowner, he had a tree and it didn't bear fruit. He said, let's cut it down. And the, and the gardener says, no, 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 give me another year. Let me fertilize it and then they'll see and then maybe cut it down. Farmers going out and sowing seed. God is obsessed with fruit. And here in part, he's giving us keys to how to bear fruit. And of course, this should, this should make us think of the fruit of the Spirit, Right? When Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit, I think that is coming from his meditation on Psalm 1, among other things. 
All right? he, is, he has been a student of Scripture, and he knows this theme in Scripture. I love, I can't remember which prophet it is now, but he says he took a wild vine out of Egypt and cleared everything in Canaan and planted that vine in Canaan. That was his people, right? And the vine spread everywhere. Scripture repeatedly depicts God as a gardener bringing forth fruit, obsessed with fruit. So it says he meditates day and night. Again, uh, this is, there's lots of images and most people know these. There's the image of chewing cud. Uh, Ruminants are those animals that have four stomachs. I don't know. They may have more. Are there animals that have, Patrick, are there animals that have more than four? Okay. They take a bite, chew it, goes down, comes back up as a little ball, and then they chew on that. And they, they chew on that some more. All right. Really, if you just get an understanding, and I, I saw, Patrick, have you ever seen where they'll, they'll put a, a window in a cow? They put a window in a cow so you can see their stomachs and so you can see this process. It's a great process for what we're called to do with Scripture, right? We're called to take it in, memorize it, but that's just step one, right? That, that's just, you're not going to digest it unless you bring it back up. And I really do think, he says, it shall be in your mouth, it shall be in your mouth. I really do think there's something about the, the way God made us that it needs to be not just in our heads, but in our literal mouths, saying it. All right, the word means mutter. Have you ever known people who muttered? You know, kind of talk to themselves. I can't believe she said that. She knew what I read. All right, literal muttering. Literal speaking of the word of God as we go about our days. I like the image of, uh, of a dog worrying a bone. You ever seen a dog worry a bone? You know, they've got a bone and there's nothing left on it, but man, they are licking, chewing because they're going to find some scrap of some kind of nourishment on that bone. All right, it's, I mean, it's been chewed up, but they're going to find it. It's a great image of what goes on when we meditate on Scripture. And by the way, when you begin to realize that this is a repeated biblical theme, you don't even have to have the literal word meditate. I mean, Scripture says Isaac went out in the evening to meditate. There's all kinds of places that it comes up, but I think it's everywhere. When Jesus says, look at the lilies of the field, that is an invitation to meditate. Why? Because all of our worries are a form of meditation. Your anxiety and what you grind on in your head when you're anxious is a form of meditation. Okay, everybody meditates. It's just a matter of what you meditate on. And I think when Jesus is, says, look at the lilies of the field. Look at how they're dressed. You know, they, they don't labor or spin, but they're clothed better than Solomon. He's not just telling us to go, oh yeah, and then move on. I think he's telling us to take some time with that thought. Really. When Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, it's the hardworking farmer that gets the first of the fruit. I think he's not just giving him an illustration He's giving him something to meditate on. Does that make sense? It makes sense the difference. He's giving us something to really put thought into over the course of time, not just in one sermon, on one, in one Bible study. All right, this is the stuff that we put on repeat in the deepest recesses of our heart. And the fact is, we are free to choose what we put on repeat. And God calls us to put his word on repeat because when we do that, he will then illumine his word. He will then write his word on our hearts. He will then give us insight into things in our heart that we did not know were there. 
Scripture says, whatsoever he does will prosper. Think about, the promise is this. If we, in, our secret, in the secret place of our hearts, build up this desire to please our Father, if we allow the Son to wield the sword of His Word on our hearts, if we allow the Spirit to unveil things that He wants to get rid of, then our lives and the things we do with our lives count forever. They matter to God. The promise of Scripture is that He will reward us for the smallest acts that are done out of a place of, Father, I want to please you and I want to love the people you've called me to love. All right, but that comes from a heart that is a heart that is soaked in and steeped in God's word. So let me just close with this thought. Um, I think the Psalms are probably the greatest place to start with scriptural meditation. And I, I mean, I think of the Psalms like a it's like a medicine chest. You have a something you struggle with, a sin or an anxiety or something. I think the Psalms are there to be taken in as medicine and imbibed, and they are the antidote to the things that we deal with. They're the antidote to all those things. But again, they're, they're only the antidote when we take them properly. And that means we take them into our hearts. I mean, you've got to make Psalm 34 the permanent furniture of your heart. When you're 84, when you're, when you're really old, what will you have there that's been watered, that's been put in the soil, that's been heated with the grace of God and is going to bring forth fruit to eternity? Um, so just the encouragement, this is not so much about, I think this is not so much about, oh yeah, I've got to memorize these scriptures, so you know, I know these scriptures, so when somebody says, hey, who knows the scripture, I can say it. It's, I want to take these in so they become who I am, so that what comes out of my life is the result of God's teachings. Amen? All right. Thoughts, comments before we close it up? Thoughts, comments, questions? I should be concerned in my 
Amen. That's, yeah. Yeah. Who else? So that's why I think the image of the word of God is a sword, right? Labor to enter that rest for the word of God is quick and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. But the thing of it is, is if we let the word of God wound us and cut away that stuff, that's rest. But it brings us into rest. But it is a sword. And no sword is comfy, especially when you're doing that. Ryan. Do you have a method or a recommended method for keeping yourself um, meditating on something? Or do you just fall into, this was good, I'll meditate on that? Yes, I preach on it at the men's meeting, so I'm preaching it to myself. So I remember to get back into the routine. No. Uh, you know, ideally, ideally, I always have a scripture that I am working on memorizing and then working on getting to where when I'm laying in bed going to sleep or waking up that's what's on my head Um, realistically I would say maybe three passages a year make it into my heart that way Um, and I don't know I don't want to say what's a ideal standard but honestly I think if you took 10 minutes a day anybody if you just had it in your schedule that that was time you were working on memorizing, then you would, you would easily memorize lots and lots of scripture. And I'm sure we'd all be at a different pace. But So I know in times past, that's all I've had to do is add that 10 minutes somewhere in my day. Uh, usually for me, it was in the morning when I read the word. Um, and I could easily get, get a scripture memorized so that I then had it with me. Um, so, I don't know. That's, that's what's worked for me. But I, I seriously, in part, I'm preaching to myself. Uh, it's been a while since I've dug in on a, on a word that I need to. I so. think for uh, LCF and JCF, just the men here keeping up with the reading and doing the memory verses that Billy's giving out, we kind of have a pattern I think we just need to be faithful to. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just know for me, it's the pockets of my time, again, in the shower, in bed, uh, driving, where I would naturally default into... I don't know, for me, I was thinking about this this morning, it's what the phone now holds the place of. You know how the phone becomes the default? Uh, It's defaulting to the Word. And letting the place that I default be Psalm I'm working on or whatever. Um, Phones are a tool, they're great, but you know they just make us their tools when they become our default.
Yeah. 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 And then that becomes, I mean, once you've got it in there, then it's the next step. What, what have your downtimes in your mind been? Has it been occupied with that? It's interesting. I think, I think this is something of what Paul meant by pray without ceasing. And I think there's, it's so easy, on the one hand, to get so discouraged about the seeming impossibility of what we're talking about. Um, but I think, we got, I think we've just got it by trial and error. And with, again, the help of the Father, who will give us wisdom, figure out how... Again, to me, it is monitoring my heart with the Lord. You know, it's, it's just, and, and again, if we can realize he's a good teacher, he knows how to do it. He did it himself. He knows our hearts better than we do ourselves. I think he can give us the grace we need to, to learn how to do that and learn our habits and learn our patterns and learn, you know, unlearn the discouragements that we would, that we would take with it. Um, so it is true that it is an incredible battle. And there are people that spend, are spending millions to figure out how to get that song stuck in your head or whatever it is. I mean, that's <laughs> so much energy is spent on that. Uh, but we, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Yeah. Somebody over here had JP.
Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's a difference between... Yeah. I think there's a difference between you have a problem that you're working on and you know, it's just kind of there and you're with God and you're like, okay, God, you know, help me here. And it's, it's not a worry. It's a, well, we're not there, but I'm, I'm stoning away versus a, just a fretful, um, I don't know. For me, I know there's a difference. Yep. Yep. Kelly. I think our 24 hour news cycle has provided a kind of national meditation. Yeah. It's always there. And so these things are always in front of anybody who wants to pop into that stream of what's going on that's always updated. And back in the day when we had news at 6 and 11 and the paper once or twice a day, there was space where you could get back out of that. It wasn't always pervasive, and social media adds to that. And so meditating on the Word is the, the, the proper antidote to being always caught up in the national news cycle and that meditation as well. This is an unhealthy meditation. Yeah. Yeah, coronavirus and the impeachment, or coronavirus and the impeachment. That's probably... And Kobe Bryant's death. I mean, there you go. You know, Yep. 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 All right. And but. I was just, I don't know, not to distract from Psalm 1, but I, I just kept thinking of Psalm 19, which is in a lot of ways him about the value of meditation. Yeah. The first half of it, the psalmist is captured by the beauty of the world, and the line that goes forth is really the word of God. It's, it's, it's the author of all the beauty. And then the psalmist is captured by. Everything that the word of the Lord does to the heart of man. And he ends by saying, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Mm-hmm. I think that that psalm has kind of helped me realize um, how valuable meditation is and how the word of God is all powerful and all permeating. Yep. Amen. And that kind of points me to Psalm 1. Yeah. And then maybe even motivate me to memorize Psalm 1. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think um, I, in the past I especially struggled to like keep that word meditated in my heart and mind, and I realized it was more to do with needing a, a change in my stomach uh-huh. <laughs> um, and change my appetite. And um, one thing that's been reflecting my mind a lot lately is you know the song where it says that water, so I'm sold pants for you. And there's no way we can naturally in our own effort have this craving that like the God's word unless God's spirit transforms on your heart and stomach. Yeah. So often like, I try to start the day just by praying that Lord give me the hunger, give me Yeah, yeah. Just acknowledging that we need God's appetite to be able to meditate. Yeah. Amen. Now let's pray. 
Jesus, I thank you that you love us and you want us to not store our treasures in things that can be taken. And that's why you teach us to treasure up treasure in heaven, uh, Lord, to treasure your word. Uh, so, Lord, at first, I just thank you that you walked as a man, you took our nature, and you treasured the Father's word. And, Lord, I pray that you would give us that hunger and thirst. Uh, Lord, I pray, just like David said, Lord, that you would impart to us uh, a deep hunger for your teachings. And then, Lord, I just ask that you would give us courage, uh, just like Joshua needed, Lord, to, to persist, to persist in the face of failure, uh, to not give up, to keep trying, to keep experimenting. Father, I ask that you would give us wisdom about how our own hearts work and scriptures that we need in there and how to go about uh, getting them in there and keeping them um, in there. Uh, Father, we, we just again come before you and say, you're our Father, you know our hearts. Uh, Lord, let your, the sword of your word pierce our hearts, Lord, and let us, uh, let us bear fruit unto you. Uh, so God, um, I just want to ask that your spirit would invade all of our secret places. And, uh, Lord, that we would be open. Jesus, that you would come and you would show us the narratives that we tell about ourselves and others that are not true or that are distorted. Uh, and, Lord, um, speak the truth and teach us to speak it back to you. Uh, so we bless you and we thank you, Father, for the great, the great gift you've given us in your word. Uh, Lord, that it brings life and it brings us to your son. And we bless you for that in his name. Amen. 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 Lord bless you all.